Welcome to The Well, a podcast all about living wisely and faithfully as a follower of Christ. The goal? To give you guidance, food for thought, and to encourage you as you engage the people and situations that you encounter daily. Now, here's your host, Sean Barkley. A TV watcher, I think I've shared that with you before, just have really little interest in television, especially when there's no sports on. I think I was kind of, I don't want to say bragging, but speaking highly of myself about going 28 days without watching TV during Lent. And uh, of course, no sports on. That was the main driver behind that. By the way, welcome to The Well. I'm Sean Barkley. So glad to have you along. But I've been watching a television show. In fact, I finished it with my wife last night called Wild Country. Have you seen that? It's a Netflix documentary about a cult from the 1980s that had its roots in India. The um, They called themselves the uh, Rahnishis, <laughs> and they were led by the Bhagwan, and uh, kind of the free love and let's all get along, uh, attractive cult for certain people. And it was a fascinating show, actually. And, and as I watched it, I thought, I can't believe this is the world I live in. It um, was a, a great study on human psychology, religion, really constitutional law. And I found myself riveted. I think it was six one-hour episodes. And we wrapped it up last night, watched the whole thing in the span of a week. But as I said, when I was watching it, I was thinking, this is just not the world I live in. And I wonder how many of you are saying that right now as we go through this COVID-19 time of isolation. Here we are. It's the last Saturday in April, it looks like, dear Lord, please, that uh, life is going to be opening up starting next week, the 1st of May. We'll see how that uh, comes to pass. But it does sort of feel like we're living in a different world. I was reading about what workplaces might look like in the future because of fears of a pandemic such as COVID-19. Socially distant workplaces will become uh, the thing of the future. There'll be this grid where people have certain places on the grid where they can work. Each hallway will have two lanes with marks every six feet so that you don't get any closer than six feet from anyone in the office, in the hallway. Your desk might be completely surrounded by a plexiglass shield. You might be wearing a bracelet that buzzes every time someone else who's wearing a bracelet gets within six feet of you. You might be wearing a bracelet that buzzes if you have a temperature Spike, that does not sound like the world that I live in. <laughs> I mean, I read these articles and I think that's just not the real world. But the truth is, that might be what we're looking at. Recently, the board of directors of the church I serve, which is called a session, started reading a book titled Canoeing the Mountains. And the author basically was saying that in the church today, as we look at the future, the future is really uncharted territory. It's, it's not going to look the way it does the way it did in the past as we look to the future there's no map for how to navigate the future and as i thought about that and thought about the strange world we're living in here's a question that came to my mind what did the early church do in that case as they basically were forming this new community called the body of christ as they were looking at the future and there was no map for that well in the book of acts chapter 1 verse 14 Luke, the writer, says they, they all were continually united in prayer. And I want to think about prayer with you today in the midst of this COVID-19 pandemic. There's a member of our church who I prayed with over the phone this past, well, a couple weeks ago. 
And after we prayed, she said, Sean, what are you praying for these days? How, how are you praying? And then she went on to say, how do I pray? And that really prompted me to think that this might be a subject for us to talk about in this podcast. Because as we know, prayer moves God. It also moves us and connects us to the activity of God. It aligns us with God's grace. It aligns us with God's will. It aligns us with God's love, joy, peace, and purpose. That's what prayer does. And so as I thought about how do we pray during this, I thought about the, the disciples who asked Jesus, teach us to pray. And so I started working through the Lord's Prayer in my mind. And what I came up with were four commitments that I want to make during this season resulting from my understanding of the Lord's Prayer. And so here are the four commitments, food for thought. The first commitment is to spend time with God the Father. And the Lord's Prayer begins, our Father in heaven. Now I know that for many of us, the image of God as Father can be problematic because maybe we've known a Father who was not so nice, who was abusive. And, and, and so when we think of Father, we have this negative connotation. The truth is for every word that is associated with God that also has a human representation, we're going to find the same thing. I mean, you know, God is called our shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Maybe people in the first century knew shepherds who were, you know, terrible people. There's a psalm where God covers us with his wings like a bird. Maybe when you think of a bird, you think of some kind of nasty predatorial vulture. God is referred to or Jesus is referred to as a priest. Maybe you've known a priest that was abusive. He is our king. Maybe you think of an abusive king. What I think about is when we say our father, we are thinking about a close, intimate relationship with the loving creator and provider, protector, and guide of our lives. There's a great story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20. We talk about it occasionally as a church. It dates back 800 years before the birth of Christ. And it features a king whose name was Jehoshaphat. And I love the story, and I love to say Jehoshaphat. <laughs> Jehoshaphat, there I go again. So Jehoshaphat was warned by his advisors that a vast army had arrayed against him and was coming their direction. They were about 50 miles away. It was a three or four day journey. And in three or four days, Jerusalem was going to be attacked. And here's what the text says Jehoshaphat did. Alarmed... Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast for all the people of Judah. They came together to seek the help of the Lord. Do you notice what he did? The first thing he thought to do was turn to God. And I love the, the notion of alarmed. When you think of alarmed, what do you think about? Well, it, it's sort of a double entendre. On the one hand, we think about, okay, um, surprised. Oh, no. This is happening. This is coming against me. But another thing we think of with the word alarm is an alarm clock, which does what? It wakes us up. And so as Jehoshaphat prepared for trouble, he became alarmed. He was surprised. He was also awakened, and he immediately turned to God. Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer that daily we can approach God. And so when we go through a time of turmoil, as we're going through right now, we have to bear in mind that we have a creator, provider, protector, and guide. And so the first commitment is to turn to God and spend time with God. I was amazed to read this past week 
Tyndale House Publishers. They publish Bibles and other literature. They recently reported that their two largest Bible editions are up 44% and 64% and 60 over last year during this time of coronavirus. In other words, what's going on? People are saying, i got to turn somewhere. I've got to find some place for provision, protection, and guidance. And so they're turning to God. What a commitment to make. You know, what can you and I really know about the future? I mean, do we know when there's going to be a baseball season? No. Football season? No. Do we know when stores are going to reopen? Not really. Do we know when restaurants will reopen? Not so much. But what do we know about God? Well, we know that God wants to be our Father in heaven. And so as you think about prayer and life during this COVID-19, maybe you too want to make this commitment. I'm going to turn to God as my Father. The second commitment that I'm making during this time, based on the Lord's Prayer, is that I'm going to be committed to seeing God glorified in my life and in the community around me. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, continuing with the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name. May your name be holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are praying for His name to be hallowed. We are praying for His will to be done. We're praying for us to think of others, not just ourselves, to consider what God might be doing in all this because we're praying for His will to be done. We're, we're praying to offer ourselves as instruments of God's provision, instruments of God's love. Remember, when we say, Lord, your will be done on earth as in heaven, it means what's real up there will be real down here. And what is real up there, God is glorified, and God has a will, and we're asking God to make it real down here. And so we commit ourselves. We say, I'm going to glorify God in my life, and in my community. Yes, we're called to do that every day, but we can recommit in that direction. I read about someone who was saying during this time of social isolation and businesses struggling, they are buying gift cards from local restaurants and businesses and anonymously sharing these gift cards with their neighbors who they know have lost their jobs. What are they doing right there? They are glorifying God in their life and they are glorifying God in their community. And so during these times, I think a lot of us, and myself included, we're tempted to turn inward. We're tempted to nervously guard what we have. But is that the image of God's kingdom coming and God's will being done? I saw not too long ago a study out of UCLA and it was found that there's a relationship between a meaningful physical touch and longevity. And what the researchers learned was that those who receive a meaningful physical touch 10 times a day, handshake, hug, pat on the shoulder, pat on the back, touch of the elbow, you name it, tend to live longer than those who do not. And I think that makes sense to a lot of us. Now, as you hear me saying that, don't think I'm going to go poke someone in the arm 10 times real quick and that's going to help them to live longer. That's not a meaningful touch. But what I'm wondering is, in this season, <laughs> we're going to have to redefine what a meaningful touch is. And it might not be so much physical. It might be a touch like, let me bless you in this way. And so that's commitment number two for me. 
I'm going to make sure that I glorify God in my life and make sure that God is glorified in this community. The third commitment, I'm going to trust God as my provider. Verse 11 of Matthew 6 in the Lord's Prayer, Give us today our daily bread. We talk a lot about living one day at a time. Remember, Jesus said, listen, don't be so anxious about tomorrow. Don't be so worried about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. God takes care of the lilies of the field. God takes care of the birds in the sky. He's going to take care of you. You let your worries today be enough for today, and tomorrow will be yet another day. In other words, trust God today. Many of you probably know the story from the Old Testament where God fed the children of Israel manna from heaven as they were wandering in the wilderness. Manna from heaven was provided every single day. They could not accumulate manna because it would go bad. It would spoil. And I don't even want to tell you what manna is, but it's not something you want to eat, at least if you've got a choice to eat something else. But what also is true about that story is that the people had to go out and get it. God said, I'm going to provide you with this manna from heaven, but you still got to go out and collect it. You've got to go out and get it. And so trusting God as my provider today doesn't mean I'm just going to lay back and say, okay, just let it rain, manna from heaven all over my life. No, I'm going to understand that God wants to provide, has promised to provide, and I'm going to do my part in that provision. I have a, I think I've shared with you before, I, I use a journal technique called bullet journaling. And it's just a great way to kind of keep up with uh, what you're supposed to do and what you're trying to accomplish. And I was looking at my bullet journal for May. And here were some of the big tasks I needed to do. I needed to get ready for two weddings, not happening. I needed to get, get ready for my son's college graduation, not happening. I needed to get ready for a special Memorial Day service, not happening. I needed to get ready for confirmation of our seventh graders here at the church I serve. Not going to happen. All these things are not happening. And I'm learning that I can make all the plans I want to make. But what God is saying is, you're just going to have to trust in my provision. You see, Jesus didn't give us some kind of retirement plan. No, He encouraged us to allow God to care for us today. And so prayer is not sharing your agenda with God, it's sharing God with our agenda. Does that make sense to you? A lot of us say, Lord, here's my agenda. I want you to adopt it. But when we say, I'm going to trust you as my provider, we say to our agenda, here's the God who's going to provide for us. And we let God be the one who writes our agenda. All right, so that's three out of the four. One more, one more commitment. I'm going to commit to resist the temptations of the evil one. Chapter 6, verse 13, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Notice that Jesus doesn't say deliver us from evil as if there's, kind of, there's some kind of just evil force that's out there. He's No, the evil one, God's adversary, our enemy, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him. What we read is that he lies to us and he's also prowling around, preying on us and wanting to destroy us. You know, last week in the podcast, if you were listening, and I hope you were, we, we, we made the observation that God does some of His best work in the secret mundane places. And He does. God builds our character in those secret mundane places. 
But here's the thing, so does the evil one. And when you and I are isolated, we're vulnerable to that. We're vulnerable because we're not in Christian community. We're not in a place where there is accountability. You know, when we say that integrity is who we are when no one is looking, you and I might be experiencing a time in our lives when no one's looking right now. No one is paying any attention. And so what are your temptations in this time of isolation? Maybe you're tempted to believe that God has left you. And that is, a, that is a lie that you're being told. Maybe the temptation is to look at other people and say, they're out to get me, they're going to take advantage of me, they're going to take what is mine. Or we look out and say, there are people who want to harm me right now. Maybe the temptation is to be paranoid or greedy or to lack generosity. Those are the lies we can start to believe. I spent a little bit of time on social media, not a lot, and recently I have started unfollowing on Facebook people who are, quote, friends. And I'll tell you why. Because the amount of toxic language, and I'm no prude, and you know that, I'm not a prude at all, but the toxic language uh, and, and the anger, it, it, it's just vengeful, it's bullying, and what's happening is it's affecting me. And it's tempting me to be angry and to be vengeful and to work out some of my frustrations out in the public square as others are doing. And so my commitment is I'm going to resist the temptation of the evil one who would love nothing more, at least in my life, to see me work out my anger in that way. It does feel indeed like we're living in a strange new world, doesn't it? I'm amazed by it. I mean, I, you know, like I said, I watch this <laughs> documentary and think, that could never happen. Someday people might look back on 2020 and watch documentaries and say, did that really happen in the United States? And so how do we pray? What do we do during this? Again, let me just remind you of the four commitments based on the Lord's Prayer. Spend time with the Father. Be committed to seeing God glorified in our lives and in our community. Be committed to trusting God as our provider. And commit ourselves to resisting the temptations of the evil one. Well, those are my thoughts for this week on a Saturday. The sun is shining. And I hope that uh, the sun is shining in your life and that now you are having a better day than you were 18 minutes and 51 seconds ago. You take good care. Always, always feel free to share this podcast. And I look forward to talking with you next week. Bye for now.